right, we're continuing our message series today uh, called Intersections, where we're looking at questions to ask when you're at an intersection, you're about to make a choice, you have a decision to make. What are some questions that we can ask as we're facing a decision or dealing with a dilemma to find our way forward? Very, very important questions that we're looking at. The first week, we looked at a question to ask on the front side of a decision how does this fit into my purpose for living? That, that question can save you all kinds of wasted time and energy on going down a path or taking a lifestyle that will bring unnecessary trouble and leave you empty at, at the end of that path. Uh, so we talked about how that, that question gets us off of the roundabout uh, intersection of difficult choices sometimes and takes us back to our maker to discover our purpose and Jesus showed us how to do that. So we looked at that the first week. Second week, am I being completely honest with myself? Very important question, because we find out in Jeremiah 17 that we all have a universal heart defect. Our heart deceives us. And we are so good if we want something. Our heart can convince us to do the very thing that is going to hurt us because we want it. And so that's a good question to ask. Am I being completely honest with myself about what's going on here, why I want to do this, and what I should do? Because we're great at fooling ourselves. And that brings us to this week, question number three. What story do I want to tell? What what story? We're, We're given a life. Our life's made up of relationships, responsibilities, and resources. Time and money, basically, are our resources. Every choice that we make related to our relationships, responsibilities, and resources unfolds as a part of our story. Every choice becomes a part. It might become a part of our story that we don't want to tell, but it's in there. It's still in there. So... We need to think through before we make the decision as we're thinking about what to do. What story do I want to tell here? Looking on the, after this plays out, after I walk through this portion of my life, how do I want this to look? How do I want the story to go? Sometimes I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like decisions attack me. They sort of sneak up on me and they attack and have you ever felt like that? I, I don't know about you, but a decision, all of a sudden you, you didn't expect to have to make this decision, but you know you've got to make it right now, and you've, you've got to decide. You have a sense it's an important choice, and this decision, too, will become a part of your story. It's the way it works. It's the way it goes. One good thing about our story and about the decisions that we're facing right now is that if you step back and look at the big picture, the decision you're making is likely going to be a small part of your story in the big scheme of things, an important part of your story, but a small part. Sometimes groups come to visit. Uh, Here at Church of the Valley, we had a, a group from Germany a few weeks ago, and they helped out at the Alhambra campus. And usually we meet together, they want to hear what's going on at Church in the Valley, and I summarize 25 years 
of Church in the Valley story in about 15 or 20 minutes. I do my best to stay there <laughs> in that amount of time. And I summarize, so uh, there are parts of the story as a congregation that gets, get, you know, whole big portions of the story that were hair-raising in the, in the moment that I was making decisions, we were walking through these things, they get, they get shrunk down to maybe a couple sentences. There are parts of the story that don't make the cut, that when I was going through them and when we were going through them as a congregation, whoa, you know, they were earth shadowed. They just, they got to you. But, but they don't make the cut. They end up on the floor, on the edit. Because I'm telling the story to a group of people and I'm trying to edit the story. And your, your own story of your life is, is much the same way. If you're going to tell your story to a group of people and you're trying to keep it down to a certain amount of time, certain length of time, uh, whole seasons of your life would be shrunk down to two or three sentences. You know, high school. Didn't high school seem epic at the time? (laughs) The things you're going through, what you're dealing with, and it may seem epic right now. But, you know, in, in the big scheme of your your story, a couple sentences, probably. Well, at least in your 50s. Okay, probably a couple sentences. Your, your career, your sports career, maybe a sentence. You know, maybe. Every season of your life, the longer you go, every season of your life becomes a part of your overall story, and the longer you live, the smaller the percentage of that story is. So if we have this ability to step back and look at the big picture of our decisions, we can know that this decision I'm making, while it might be an important part, it's, it's going to be a, a small percentage of the overall picture. It's why we need to stack up good decisions. An important way of looking at this is, is, is to realize no matter how big or complicated the dilemma right now, it will become a part of your story and be told in a few sentences. You will get through it, and you'll be looking back on the other side of the story, and you need to ask, what, do, what story do I want to tell? How, how do I want this to go? What do I want to say about this? Do I, you know, and then we're deciding what genre our story is going to be. Is it going to be a tragedy? Is it going to be a comedy? Is it going to be a thriller, an intense drama, a rags to riches success story? Um, we can't control all those factors, but the decisions we make are, it's definitely going to be a documentary. <laughs> okay? It's going to be nonfiction. But it's going to have a flavor to it, one of those. And the choices we make, they stack up and they determine what genre our story is going to be. When, for instance, when the economy goes upside down, you have a choice to make, how how you're going to respond to the downturn. What are you going to do in the midst of that? Uh, Some people may withdraw from their family, get off to themselves, throw a pity party, start drinking, and spiral downhill toward a tragedy. Others may decide up front, as they're looking at how to respond to what's just happened, the decisions they have to make, 
They may determine up front to trust God and do whatever it takes to stay loyal to him. And then the story plays out. When people go through a breakup in dating, one person may rebound and find just anyone to date to fill the hole that's left. They, they may decide to even sleep with the person just, just to fill the void, to get the heartache off their mind. Another may tell God, God, I know that you can do some things during this period of my life that you can't do at any other time. And I'm just going to trust you with it. I'm going to trust you to work in me the things that you can do now that you can't do. Would you grow me? Would you teach me? I'm trusting you with this. We make choices on the front side that determine how it's going to flow. We all face choices like this. And the crucial question to ask on the front side is this. What story do I want to tell? There's a story we're going to look at this morning about a man named Joseph, and he lived around 1850 B.C., and his story can help us understand the importance of answering the question right away. So here's some highlights from Joseph's story out of Genesis 39 through 41. Uh, The great thing about somebody whose story has already been written is that we have the advantage of hindsight. You can see the whole story. (laughs) And how it plays out, the choices they made, how it ended up, uh, what God did as a result of their choices. And we can look back at that story and learn from their experience. So Joseph's story gives us the opportunity to do that. In his story, what we see is we see that he was attacked by a decision. He was faced with a choice. And the choice he made in one split second dramatically impacts the outcome of his story, dramatically shaped the rest of his story. And we all have choices like that. We all have choices that we face that we make the choice and then life flows from there. And that's the kind of choice we're talking about today. Here are some highlights of Joseph's story. His brothers, he, was, uh, he had uh, 12 brothers. And they, they were jealous of him because he was his father's favorite. He and Benjamin, his, his other brother, were favorites. And his father gave him a, a special coat that everybody else wanted. I don't know. It wasn't a brand name. I don't think they had brand names back then. But uh, it was called a mini-colored coat. And there's Broadway play, actually. His story is epic. There's Broadway play called Joseph and the Technicolored Dreamcoat. And so this is like an epic story. But the brothers were jealous, and they decided, what are we going to do about this guy, man? He's precocious, he's a, he's a real problem, and he's a bother, and he's annoying me because he gets everything I want. And, what? and so they debated over killing him or selling him. And he was approaching them, they were working in a field, and they, they were debating on what they're going to do. Are we going to kill him, are we going to sell him? Kill him or sell him? Kill him or sell him? They decided on selling him. They sold him for 11 grams of silver. In, in our day, that's $202. That's how much they, that's what they thought their brother was worth, 202 bucks. And so he gets sold into slavery. He goes in to serve Potiphar, who is the captain of the Pharaoh's guard. And this is the statement. That's, it's an important statement to grab hold of. The Bible kept... During, in Genesis 39 through 41, it keeps making this statement. 
The Lord was with Joseph, and he became successful as a servant in Potiphar's house. His master saw that God was with him and blessed all that he did. Uh, Potiphar made Joseph the overseer of his house. So he starts out as a slave. Now he becomes the overseer, the manager of his household and uh, everything that he has. The passage then goes on as you read through it. It goes on. It says, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. I'm sure they looked for a guy handsome for the Broadway play. (laughs) You know, good-looking guy. Sure, he was a good-looking guy. Joseph was a good-looking guy. Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, it says, this is where the trouble starts and the decision starts showing up. His master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. So the gal gives her, him the come-hither look. Not going to try to re, you know, show you what that is. I, I don't do well at that kind of thing. <laughs> but she gives him the come-hither look, okay? And this is an intersection. When Joseph got up and went to work that morning, I do not believe he was expecting to have to make that choice. It, it attacked him. It surprised him. And I want you to see how he responds. Genesis 39, 8 through 10. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you're his wife. You know, no kidding. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her to be with her. So she kept pursuing him. She kept aiming to seduce him day after day. She's trying to seduce him. He keeps refusing her. her. She takes it personally, gets frustrated, And one day, she decides to cry rape. And Joseph was rewarded for his faithfulness to his master and to God by getting thrown into prison. Have you ever been rewarded for faithfulness like that? Have, Have you ever been rewarded for loyalty with an injustice or misunderstanding? How did you respond in, in that moment? How, how did you react? Here's what Joseph did. Joseph accepts what happened from the hand of God. He does very well in prison. Again, he just, he just tries to be faithful with his lot that's been handed to him. He gains the trust of the keeper of the prison And over time, he's put in charge of all the prisoners. You see this pattern with Joseph. (laughs) He's just faithful. And again, it's said, the Lord made him succeed in all that he did. While in prison, Joseph is given a surprise opportunity to interpret the Pharaoh's dream. None, None of the Pharaoh's magicians can do this. And part of the interpretation, God gives Joseph the the interpretation And a part of the interpretation is that a worldwide famine is on the way. And so Joseph not only gives the interpretation to the dream, 
he proposes a solution to the problem of this worldwide famine. He's, he's a logistics wizard. I mean, he understands how to put this stuff together. And so Pharaoh is impressed, and he's so impressed that he puts Joseph in the number two position in Egypt. So he rises uh, out of slavery uh, to overseeing Potiphar's house, out of prison to the number two position in Egypt because he has impressed the the Pharaoh with this. His rise to, to power is an amazing story, and God put him in this seat of power. He put him in this position to help and bless his own family, a very large family, and his people. And you can see how that plays out if you read the rest of Genesis. We face choices all the time that will dramatically impact the outcome of our story, the ending, or how it plays out. If Joseph had made the choice to sleep with Potiphar's wife under all the pressure, the final chapter of his story would have been much different. And his family that was blessed by his choice would have suffered instead of finding blessing in it. This is how it is. We make choices all the time, and our choices are writing a story that either blesses our family and our friends that are close to us, or it, it hurts them. Our choices impact our people, and we don't like this. <laughs> we we want to silo our lives. We want to be individuals, not connected to anybody else, but this is the way it works. Our choices impact our people. Look back at what Joseph was thinking as he made this choice, and check out his perspective. It's very helpful for us. Speaking of his master, he says, he is not greater in this house than I am. He's given me this position. Nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. And then he makes a shift in his focus to God. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He realizes that he's making choices. He's living his life. But he's living his life. He's making these choices in full view of the God who made him. This is is something that's happening before him. So you notice the two perspectives that shaped his decision. First of all, I'm not going to do this wrong because I owe my master who's been gracious to me. I have a sense of loyalty to him. Secondly, I refuse to sin against my God. A deep sense of loyalty to God. So before he got up and went to work that day, Joseph had decided he was going to make the choices that please God and let God write the ending of his story. And you see that's what was happening as you read the story. It was God who honored him and blessed him and kept helping him make progress in the right way. Because he made this choice to please God and he refused to give in to his selfish desires, give in to the pursuit of his master's wife, his family was saved in the middle of a worldwide famine. And not only saved, but they thrived. This is the major truth of Scripture. God promises to bless those who please him. And pleasing God is the key to writing a story that you want to tell. The key factor 
That's why as you read the story of Joseph, it keeps going back to how God saw this and blessed him and made him successful. Pleasing God is the number one factor in writing a story that you want to tell. Ecclesiastes 2 says this, To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, the chasing after when. Pleasing God is the key to looking back over a lifetime, like we can with Joseph, and knowing the hand of God has blessed you as you've made choices that honor him. As you've set your heart to please him, it's ble- it, 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 he brings his blessing to you and to the people around you that are connected to you. If we focus on pleasing God in the here and now, on the front side, as we're looking at choices we, we are making, he will take care of the future. And we can trust him in this. There, there's a great deal of peace. And there's, there's a great deal of uh, just settle, settled in our hearts. We can be settled in our hearts knowing that God is faithful. If your number one goal is to please God in the choices you faith. He will help you write a story that you want to tell. And that brings us back to our question today. What story do I want to tell? We find in in Scripture that faith is the key to writing a good story. it's, It's difficult when we're at an intersection and we can't see what's around the turn. We can't, we're coming up to a blind curve. And we, we can't see what's ahead, and it's, it's a scary thing. We're not quite sure. We, we're there all the time. If you're like me, a guaranteed outcome would be really, really helpful as, as we're making the decision. But at the intersection of our decisions, faith is the key. We have to choose faith. We have to put our faith in something, someone or something. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own insight. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. The Bible tells us that there will always be a tension between choosing to live by faith what we can't see or sight what we can see. There's this tension. Every every intersection we come up to, there's a blind curve. And we've, we've got to decide, am I going to walk by faith or am I going to live by sight? Am I going to live my life before the one who can see everything that I can't see, God himself? Or am I going to make my choices in a way that honors him, to please him, to move forward that way? Uh, sight is relying on what we can see, what we can predict, our own solutions, our own ways, and, and dealing with a variety of decisions and problems that we face. Living by faith is trusting what you can't see, the one you can't see, to walk through this. Let's break down how to live by faith. First of all, it means to trust God. It means to trust God and to fear God. Trusting God is one of the two facets of faith. It says in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not not lean on your own understanding. Trusting God means that you Uh, allow him to be your guide. You allow him to lead you, to put your confidence in him, to trust him completely as the one who is 
leading you step by step. And as you follow God and begin to do life his way, if you're deciding whether or not to follow Christ and, and uh, walk with him through life, he's not going to give you uh, a highlighted route of step-by-step dire- uh, directions and instructions for the rest of your life from now to the end. You're, you're not going to get that. Um, I, there's a part of me that would like that, but not going to get it. That's living by sight. You know, wanting a formula, wanting a step-by-step, a Google map of the rest of our life. Here you go. Turn left, turn right, do this, do that. Rather, what God promises to do is he promises to be our guide, to walk with us into the future. And uh, a map of the rest of our lives laid out step-by-step with instructions wouldn't be as helpful as we think. I'd like you to watch this video clip. Uh, from a current TV show that kind of shows us where we may end up, what, what we might, how we might respond. Turn. Wait, 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 no, 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 no. It means bear right. No, up there. It said right, so take a right. No, 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 look. It, it means go up to the right, bear right, over the bridge, and hook up with 
to do what he wants, and you follow him day by day, step by step. We, we have faith in God as our guide because he knows where the path leads. He can see the whole thing, and that's what a guide does. They lead. We choose faith as we make decisions, knowing that God as our guide will take care of us. As we do this, we experience the freedom and insight that comes from not leaning on our own understanding, not leaning on uh, what looks best to us, but filtering that through and allowing God to show us as we walk along. Lean here means to support oneself. That's the option. Either we're trusting ourselves, leaning on ourselves, or trusting God as he works in us and through us. There, there's a warning here. Don't, don't try to support your whole life through your own understanding, your own ideas, your own feelings, especially in the moment of a critical decision. That's what we were talking about last week. Keep choosing to please God in the moment requires another key facet of faith. First, we've got to trust God. Secondly, fear God. We do this by acknowledging Him in all our ways. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And practically what that means is, as you're choosing your way, as you're choosing your steps, then you think through, uh, fearing God, you think through what would please Him. Realizing one definition of the fear of God that I heard a long time ago is very helpful to me is, realizing that God is watching everything I do, everything I say. That's what it means. You give him respect. And you handle life knowing that he is real and watching every little detail that you, you choose as you walk forward in life. So practically, fearing God means to give God the respect that he's due. You take him seriously and you realize he's the main factor, the number one factor in the story that I'm writing. He, he's the one that is going to determine blessing or cursing based on what I choose. Secondly, it means to discover what God thinks by searching the Bible. We have, if you're going to fear God and please God, you've got to know what pleases him. You've got to understand that. Scripture tells us that. It's all laid out. So as we're facing choices, asking what story do, do I want to tell, and then what would God think about this decision? You notice that's what Joseph was asking. What I am not going to do this out of loyalty to my master and out of loyalty to the living God. I know this wouldn't please him. So you're asking that up front. The good news is we have scripture that we can dig into and get the answers to what pleases God. And then finally, fearing God means to obey what he says, to find out what he says and to obey it. It, it, it. As we decide to fully trust him and place our confidence in God and fear him, God's given us a promise in the last part of Proverbs 3, uh, in Proverbs 3, 6. He will make straight your paths. Maybe you've been frustrated by your story so far. Maybe it's taken some turns you didn't want it to take. Maybe you've gone off course. Uh, you may wish that you were further down the road than you are. You've taken the long way around to get to your goal. You look back at some choices you've made, some mistakes that you regret, and it's hard to get past those feelings of regret. We all have regret. 
But faith is trusting in God who takes us from where we are and guides us forward as we humble ourselves and realize we can't live the story we'll want to tell without him. So I'd like you to think through, as you think about the choices you're facing right now, think through, what story do I want to tell? How can I please God with this? When, when all of us die, um, there is nothing we can do about what could have been. There's a song, country song, what I never did is done. It's, it's, it's done. And without faith, the Bible says that if you never put your trust in God, you never connect with him, you never turn from going your own way to go God's way, God will let you keep going through eternity on into an eternity separated from him in hell. He'll honor your decision here on earth to keep going your own way. That, to me, hell, is a picture of regret for eternity. Don't let that happen. Don't put that off. It, it cannot be escaped once you're there. The only way to escape the torment is to take God seriously right here and now, to fear him, to trust him with your life, to allow him to be your guide. This is a very sobering thought, but there is hope when you trust God. The story you've lived so far can change as you allow him to call the shots and lead you in your life. And here at Church of the Valley, we really want to help you any way we can with that. I'd like to wrap up the message this morning by walking through some suggested next steps. got some steps that I'm suggesting for you, and God may have said something to you, uh, a step that you want to take uh, unrelated to these, but I want to suggest these and encourage you to think it through. Um, and then uh, if you wouldn't mind taking out your connection card, looking at the back, the next steps are on there, and then filling those out and dropping them in the offering when they come by, that'd be great. Um, my next step today is to memorize Proverbs 3, six. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. He will, he will show you the straightest path to your goals, to your good goals, your right goals. Secondly, choose one aspect of fearing God and put it into practice. We listed three on the listening guide, and you can choose one of those and put it into practice. And then another step, for the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior, and I will follow him as my Lord. Uh, that's another step. And then if, you, if you'd like to talk to somebody about being baptized uh, next week, then let us know and we'll get in touch with you and talk through the meaning of it and what that's all about. And then there are some other steps you could take as well. Would you pray with me as the band comes up? Father, we thank you for the truth we find in Scripture, for uh, just your love for us, your grace that really does strengthen us, because as we look at choices we've made and decisions we've made, and we experience regret and look back, God, we know that you are gracious and loving and kind, and you're willing to weave our mistakes together to bring a life that glorifies you and brings our own happiness if we'll set our heart to please you. You'll work from this day forward to move us, move us on, to help us to be 
to live a life that, that uh, we can enjoy. God, we ask for your help in doing this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.